0: Good morning. We will be reading from Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 15. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord. All you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord, thus says, The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice with one another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, and in the land that I give. Gave of your of your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Go now to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen, and when I called you, you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name, and in which you trust, and to the place that I gave to you and to your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I cast out all your kinsmen, all the offspring of Ephraim. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I do not normally check my texts during worship, but I was expecting one uh, from someone who is on the uh, construction uh, mission trip uh, uh, planning group. And they're in Wisconsin, and things were kind of falling apart as far as our being able to be there. And this person asked that we pray for them the first hour first worship hour and we did and I heard back from uh, it's Greg Womack he said we're good to go the Lord has blessed us everything is smoothed out so it's from the first service so uh, y'all got some competition here so but it's great to know Uh, really within an hour it sounds like things I know Greg well enough to know and he said it's been like an emotional roller coaster and for him to use that language means that there were some real concerns about it so I'm so glad uh, things are better We just sang a moment ago, Here I Am to Worship. Do you know that the word worship comes from an old English word referring to worth? Literally, worth ship is what we're talking about. And I like that. Our Lord is worthy of worship. But the question for us this morning is this Do you and I engage in worship that is worthy? Do we worship in a way that is worthy? So asks Jeremiah. And Jeremiah gets kind of strong here. He kind of throws it down. I had a lot of people after the first service saying, man, you laid me low this morning. Jeremiah does that. It's not me, okay? And uh, fortunately, he has a strong word for us, and I think it's great. Let's start at uh, verses 1 and 2, and it says this. It begins this way. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house, and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah, who come through these gates to worship the Lord. Thus begins what many believe is the most courageous sermon in the Old Testament. Some think it's the most courageous sermon in all of Scripture. Uh, Some call it Jeremiah's Temple Sermon, but I think that's misleading, and we'll go back to that in a few minutes. But as I read this passage and what it really Means really, I I thought back to something I read in November of 2010. I remember seeing the headline of of something in the London Times, and it said this: Bride leaps from jetty to save drowning woman. And I thought, well, you got to keep reading that. So I kept reading it. There was a wedding at Adelaide Beach, Australia. Here's a picture of the actual pier where the wedding took place. Down at the end of that pier, it's where this couple met. And so they had the wedding down there. They finished the wonderful ceremony, and it was very inspiring and worshipful and everything. And then uh, they started taking pictures, you know, after the wedding. And as they were taking pictures, somebody from the wedding party looked off uh, of the pier there and saw a woman lying face down in the water just kind of floating And she obviously had had fallen in. She was unrelated to the wedding party, but there she was just floating, obviously drowning. Well, who sprang into action? Well, first of all, the best man, who was dressed in his best tux, dove in. He had had life-saving training, and so he went in, turned her over, started bringing her to shore. And then the bride The bride at the wedding in her beautiful white dress jumped in as well because she was a nurse who knew CPR. So when they got her closer to the shore, she began to to do uh, the breath part of the CPR, and then they came onto the shore, and they kept uh, doing the CPR, and the woman finally regained consciousness and was revived. And not long after that, a safety official came along and reported to the news that this woman was incredibly lucky, not only that she was spotted by someone in the wedding party, but that these two people knew how to bring her back to life. She was very lucky. And it's just really funny because it went on to say, uh, after the daring rescue, uh, the heroic best man and the heroic bride immediately went back and rejoined the wedding festivities and had a wonderful uh, reception. Well, I love that. And in a strange way, I think that speaks to our subject of worthy worship. We come here dressed up and we celebrate and worship, have a wonderful festivity here, and that's great. Uh, That's all fine. But are we also prepared to leave this place and dive into mission? Are we willing to do that? Even when it's inconvenient, even when it's awkward sometimes, are we willing to do that? What I read earlier in the Discipline of Silence was this, and I just wrote it kind of carefully. Worship and mission go hand in hand. They form the dual nature of our calling as the church. Worship that divorces itself from acting on mission is not worthy worship. Only when worship and mission go together are we engaging in worthy worship. That's really all of what Jeremiah is talking about here in chapter 7. And he zeroes in, first of all, on worship that's truly worthy. happens when we leave here, leave these doors, go out, and do acts of justice. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Jeremiah says... This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. What is that about? He's sort of mocking the people at the temple. Why? What what does it mean, this repetition of this is the temple of the Lord? The people of Judah had gotten to a point where they were so lax, not only in their faith and morals, but in their missional acts, that they just thought if they just showed up, and smiled at one another, shook hands, talked about the game the night before, uh, prayed a little bit, gave a little money in the offertory plate and all. If we just do that that much, we're good. Because we're in the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. This is our safe haven. We don't need to worry about anything once we leave here. And Jeremiah's really getting on to them because of that. It would be like us coming together and saying, oh, Brookwood, oh, Brookwood, just the greatest people you'll ever meet. We love the worship. You know, we love the music. We love our Sunday school teachers. Oh, the kids love Miss Sylvia. You know, the kids love Matea. You know, on and on and on. And that's it. Is that enough? It's like us saying, this is Brookwood, this is Brookwood. Oh, this is Brookwood. Is that enough? No, not at all. Because that's primarily why we are, not primarily why we are here, I should say. You know, are we moving out and Enacting works of justice out there in the world? That's the question. And going to people who are vulnerable and suffering and try to help set things right, try to help bring some of the kingdom of God in heaven down here until we get to the kingdom in heaven. You know, some people sometimes come to church but don't really commit themselves to leaving here, leaving these doors. And when you do that, that's really unworthy worship. Let's read verses five and seven because it really talks about the kind of people we need to reach out to once we leave here. If you really change your ways and actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. In other words, when it says all of Judah and treat each other justly, it's everyone who's in the country of Judah. There's my amen corner right there actually had a pastor who would say that, would have him say, we do have a nursery, you know, and then they'd walk out. And... Bye, Claire Morgan. But anyway, we do that especially, you know, to our detriment when we worship and not act upon it in acts of justice for the widows, for the orphans, for those who are foreign, for those who are disabled. Uh, for those who are trying just to get a leg up and are destitute at the moment. Are we doing that? God will bless us if we do that. But these people are thinking they could get into God's good graces just by gathering together at church and saying, here we are at the temple again. In a way, it would be like a very, very sick man going to the hospital one day a week for one hour and just walking around the hospital saying, this is the hospital, this is the hospital, this is the hospital, and then going home thinking he's going to be better. Think that he's feeling better about things. No, we don't get into God's good graces just by coming along here and showing up and not acting upon what we learn and what we worship here out there. What, what did, what did uh, Harold say? Faith without works is dead, talking about uh, the epistle of James. Well, the people of Judah didn't like the way Jeremiah was, he was basically saying, you know, you're trying to drag us out of the temple, out into the world to serve people. And that's exactly what God was doing. And he's dragging us out there too, or wanting to do so. So how are you taking your worship out into the streets? In what way are you doing that in the way Jeremiah says that we need to? With people who are vulnerable. With people who, who are at risk, are some people that do something around here one of them is gil franks gil you were back here where are you guitar guy over here there's gil wave again just wave again that's gil uh he is the co-founder of a marvelous nonprofit ministry called lifelink and uh it's a wonderful prison ministry for people who are getting ready to re-enter society and, and, and what he does is link up people with mentors, with encouragers, with people who can help network these people who have come out of prison. They teach them. They help them connect them with other people and basically get them back into life and get a leg up as they transition from prison into life again. Uh, he told me just this week that, that one inmate he's ministering to has been in prison since 1977, right? Due for parole in May of 2016. Folks, this is a guy who is has almost been in prison for 40 years. What is that like? Some of you all have seen, seen a Shawshank Redemption. You know what I'm talking about. What's it like to be in there for 40 years and suddenly be up for parole and you're out there? What do I do? That's where people like Gil come in. What a marvelous ministry he has to the prisoner. You know, I was in prison and you came and visited me. You not only did that when I came out, you helped me get moving again and we got a lot of other opportunities look in your bulletin for just a second i know i do this sometimes but look in your bulletin on the far right and you see all these brookwood baptist mission partners gosh i mean there are you have to you have to brush them away to figure out which one you really want to do but some of them are local Uh, some of them are overseas like in mongolia or rio or south africa some of them are right down the street some of them are firehouse shelter Obviously, True Vine is one of them, and it goes on and on. And by the way, if anybody knows of one that's not on there, we need to add it. Please let me know. But my gosh, so many opportunities. You can't come to a church like this and say, well, I really don't know, you know where to begin, and there really isn't something where I could really fit and use my gifts. No, that, that doesn't fly. Look and find out where you could serve. Not to do so really is to cheapen worship. And and the sad thing is, and what Jeremiah is telling the people of Judah is, you're using coming to worship just as an escape. You know, it's almost as if it's not just an oasis for you, but it's an escape for you. Look at verse 10. Will you come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things? And it was some of them were immoral, some of them were non-missional. Are you here to say we're safe? They're treating it like a place just to get away from it all. Uh, Look at verse 11. Has this house which bears, once again my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. Now, first of all, it says, my house has become become a den of robbers. Who quotes that in the New Testament, do you know? Jesus does. When? When he's cleansing the temple, driving out the animals, driving out the money changers. He said, you have turned my house into a den of thieves, a den of robbers. Literally, what Jeremiah is talking about here is caves where people, where outlaws would go hide out. Uh, They would go to a cave and go hide in there, and it was like a rendezvous point, and you would go there to hide out until you went out and did bad things again, corrupt things again, and then you would go back. And what Jeremiah is saying in a strong way is you're treating church as your den of robbers, your rendezvous point, and it's just an escape for you where you can feel better about yourself when you're not being missional on behalf of the kingdom. That's pretty strong language. And I love where it says, but I have been watching, declares the Lord. One of the best translations is, do you think I'm blind? That's what it's saying. Do you really think I'm blind? Because God should be the premier observer of worship, don't you think? It reminds me of uh, the great Danish philosopher Kierkegaard, who was very outspoken about authentic worship, and he compared it to a drama. Some of y'all have probably heard this before, but he compared it to a drama saying, you know, too many churches need to redefine the drama because the way they observe or, or interpret the drama is this. The people who are up on the platform, you know, are the actors. You know, the, the, the preacher, the, the music leader, and these other people, and they're the actors. And God is the prompter or director. And then the congregation is the audience, and Kierkegaard said that isn't the way it should be because you've, you've just made them onlookers. You've made them spectators. And what he says is, no, both the people on the platform and the people in the audience, you are not the audience, or the congregation is not the audience. You are the actors, and there's one sole audience, and it's God. It's God. He's the one. And, and again, do we really get that? We need to seek to please him only as we are here. And the only way we please him if we are here is not just to worship here, but to take it outside these doors and act upon it. And so we need to pay attention to him. And that's another thing Jeremiah really drives home. Worship that's truly worthy pays attention to what God would have us do. Now, like I said, a lot of people call this Jeremiah's temple sermon. But I don't think that's a good title of this sermon because is he at the temple? Because it, it pictures him being inside the temple. Let's go back to verses one and two. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand, stand where? In the sanctuary of the temple? Where? Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. God told Jeremiah to go outside and preach. Go to the gates, go outside the gates of the temple, out into the streets where the people are, and there proclaim this word. God lets him loose on the street. And the word from Jeremiah really is, unless you let yourself get loose on the street, your worship is pointless. It's pointless. So pay attention to what he would have you do. And get beyond the mere sanctuary that you have here. Go out there and create sanctuary for others. And there's m- multiple ways we can do that. It was, it was cool to be with the True Vine committee the other night, and we were talking about you know next year with, with what our emphasis is probably going to be, and I don't want to let a lot of that out of the bag right now. But part of it is you know, verbalizing your faith, not just doing good deeds to people, but verbalizing your faith, really what Harold was talking about, where you get to a point of saying, do you know why I'm here? Do you know why I'm doing this? And having that confessional dimension to it all, and, and moving beyond just mere humanitarian work. That's a lot of what we want to do and should be doing. And we talked about how people at Truvon who go and witness in the projects, witness in these apartments, they are trained to do that, and what we need to do is learn from them. And we were telling Ralph, we want that group that always wears those black shirts that, that some of you see, those black t-shirts that go out and, and witness as prayer warriors, as they say. Uh, we want to learn from them. We need to let them teach us how they witness, and then we need to go to the projects with them and see how they share the gospel and join them in sharing the gospel and see what we can learn as we take the gospel other places. You know, but sometimes we're not paying attention to where he would have us go, which Jeremiah gets to in verse 13. While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not Answer. Too distracted. Too distracted. Just wanted to escape. Too distracted to have to do something. I don't know how many of y'all were uh, there Wednesday night when uh, Tal Prince last Wednesday talked about distractions. It was an amazing talk. And it was a really frightening uh, indictment of our culture and the way we distract ourselves through social media, through iPhones, iPads, whatever you, whatever you can think of. Day, uh, excuse me, Tal. Uh, actually, has to counsel day in day out with people who are addicts, and, and he'll counsel some, you know, alcohol addicts, drug addicts. The main group that he counsels are people who suffer from—have you ever heard of this screen addiction? <laughs> people who are just glued to their iPhones, addicted to it, who have made an idol out of the iPad or the uh, laptop. And, and he talked about how these these websites now dangle in front of our faces what, what they call clickbait. And they try to say something enticing that'll get you to go to the next site. This isn't just porn. This is all kinds of things where they're trying to get you to, to think a certain way, uh, to give money to something that you really don't need to be giving money to, and they just do this constantly. He went on to say that we're the most connected culture ever, but at the same time, we're the loneliest culture and the most narcissistic culture ever. And I think he's right. And these distractions become addictive And really, idolatrous, it's really about idolatry. And they numb us, make us comfortable. And what do they do? They do what going to the temple did for the people of Judah. It makes us feel safe. makes us feel content. makes us feel like we've escaped somewhere when we're really not paying attention to what God would actually have us do. And how can you claim if you're doing that, if you show up here and don't take it out there into the world, how can you say you've engaged in true worship? If you don't hear me say anything else this morning, hear me when I say this. This is not where we come to escape. This is where we come to get our marching orders. Huh. Not where we escape. It's come, where we come to get our orders to go out into the world. And what's cool is we don't have to go to a temple anymore anyway. The New Testament makes that clear. We are the temple. Go to 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst, it's cool. Now we have God's temple. You know, We are God's temple. We have the Spirit residing in us, so we don't have to go to the temple. We can be the temple out there. That's the good news. And I would encourage us to pay attention to God and pay attention to two particular ministry opportunities this week. First of all, this Wednesday, this Wednesday night, and everybody's invited. It's church-wide, and it's not going to conflict with anything uh, uh, Wednesday evening, whether it's choir or musicals or what. It's a military missions night. We're going to have uh, we're going to put together care packages for some people who are at the air base in Qatar, where our own Will Markham is, Captain Will them, uh, And we're going to do that and, and bring together, gosh, if you've got boxes of Girl Scout cookies or you can make regular cookies or, you know, candy or jerky, <laughs> barbecue sauce, everything that's really healthy, you know, uh, crystal light, wet ones. There's a long list you can find on our webpage, but bring that on Wednesday night and we're going to put together these care packages. One of the great things you can do is write notes or have your young one write notes to these folks who are serving overseas. I think that's the least we can do with with a veterans emphasis going on nationally this week, where we can give thanks to these people who stand on a wall, so we can actually talk about what it means to worship here now and to take our worship out there. We can do this at least in part because they are willing to do that. So let's reach out to them in this manner on this Wednesday. So I would encourage you to be there and to help us with that. Secondly, True Vine itself. Um, you know, there's this uh, this there's this uh, offering we're supposed to take up every year, part of, partly for tax uh, reasons, but but what we're doing this year is we're trying to raise ten thousand dollars for another van for True Vine Ministries. Uh, I had ribs with with Ralph the other day. I've never seen anybody put ribs away like Ralph Garth. But anyway. Uh, but we were talking, he said, yeah, we're just real excited about it. And he showed me we're on front of his pulpit there in the fellowship hall. There's this little uh, marker that shows how far they've driven. And they've driven about $8,000. We really need 10000 for them. And uh, he was just saying, man, we just need that so badly. And he explained to me, there's one van right now, and they have to go real far away in one direction to bring people back. They let them off, and then they go over here and pick up these other people and let them off. And he was talking about, we need one more van so we can go both ways and get them there sooner, and maybe even make two trips so we can double the number of people whom we pick up each Sunday. Well, that's worthwhile. And these are our folks over there at True Vine whom we have come to know and to love. And so I want to encourage you even today, well, I have an envelope here, okay, and I did this in the first service, and, and we got about halfway there. We need just $2,000 more, so, you know, you're, you're here, you know, how you doing? And uh, we just need about 1000 more, I would say, so I, I would just encourage you to maybe make out a check, and it's really funny, the staff, we can never remember the abbreviation. What is it? Because this is what you put on the check. You make it out to who? Put, uh, B-M-U-A-F. I don't even know what that stands for. Does anybody know? But that's who you make it out to. So it's B-M-U-A-F. So I just want to stress, it's B-M-U-A-F. Say that with me. Say it with B-M-U-A-F. Okay, if you got your checkbook, you can go on and pull it out if you want. B-M-U-A-F. That's good enough. Okay, that's good enough. B-M-U-A-F. Are there any more? Is that it? Okay. Is that, oh, okay, B M U A. It's B-M-U-A-F. Okay. So, you know, if it's 10 bucks or whatever, help us out, and and you can come see me. I've got got an envelope, and it says, yeah, B-M-U-A-F, and uh, see me afterwards. And if you want to uh, contribute, some people gave cash in the first service, some gave checks. And I just think it'd be a great way uh, to close that out, and it'd be a great way that we're showing that we're taking what we do here in worship out there for our brothers and sisters over there at True Vine. I really want us to, next year I hope, especially with our emphasis that we're doing, I hope that we're going to see that true worship should make us feel a little uncomfortable and awkward. Uh, We need to go to places and deal with people, you know, with whom we feel awkwardness and discomfort. And so often, as Harold puts so beautifully, it's those places where we feel most blessed. I remember hearing uh, Pastor Jack Hinton talk about when he took a mission trip to the island of Tobago and, and he was leading a worship service in a leper colony, and he said he, wouldn't, he, he didn't even realize it, it was a leper colony till he got there, and he said it was just really uh, uh, unnerving to him. And he said he stood up uh, to lead the worship and, and to lead the music, because he was a musical person as well as a preacher, and there was a woman who had had her back to the pulpit, and then she turned around, and he said it was the most hideous face he had ever seen. He said it was a woman who had no nose, no ears, you know, face was just shriveled up, and then she held up a fingerless arm toward him and she said could we sing a song and he yeah, he didn't you know and and the interpreter said she wants to sing a song and he asked well ask her what song it is and do you know what song it was she asked could we sing count your many blessings hmm. and jack was overcome with emotion and as they were singing it, he just had to leave and, and and one other person on the mission team came over to him and put his arm around him and said well i guess you'll never sing that song again and Jack said, oh, yes, I will. I'll just never sing it the same way again. You know, the people of Judah paid a price for their shallow, egocentric worship. They had to go into exile. God kept saying, if, you, if you'll clean that up, you'll be okay. But they went up going into exile. But later on, Jeremiah talks about this new covenant, which really comes to fruition in the person of Jesus. And when it comes to full fruition in the book of Revelation, fasting, forward. John has this vision of the new Jerusalem, and I think it's great because it talks about a temple, but it says there is not one. He says, there is no temple there for the Lord and the Lamb are going to be the light and the temple of that place. Now, think about that. We're going to get to a place where one day we are worshiping him nonstop, glorifying him one by one as we arrive. But until then, what we're called to do is reach out to others who need to know about all this, and bring them there with us. But will you be willing to go out beyond the gates of this place and do something so that your worship in here is true and right and authentic? Let's pray together. We ask, O God, that you be with us at this moment of decision and ask that you help us to discern in what way we could serve you, serve you in a way that glorifies you and that brings people here, but most of all, as we talked about this morning, takes us out of this place. Forgive us when we make our worship shallow and lame and lacking substance because we just come here to worship and say, this is Brookwood, this is worship, but we don't go out and act on it and bring a little more justice, a little more rightness to this world and perhaps a few more people to your kingdom. So motivate us to do that this day. We pray these things in your name. Amen.